0: This is Kevin Lavelle, and you're listening to Founders 15. You know what the world needs? Another business podcast. Well, actually, maybe it does. See, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, many of which were truly great. I learned a lot and had takeaways that changed my business or personal life. But I often noticed there was no commonality between the interviews as they were wide-ranging. So it was harder to tease out themes between them. I launched Mizzen and Main to bring advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear. So just like deciding the world needed a better dress shirt when everyone said it was crazy, I decided to launch Founders 15. Founders 15 is a unique new discussion experience, distinct in three specific ways. The conversations will be founder to founder, eliciting an enlightening back and forth of two people with an overlap rarely found in other interviews. In my position as founder of Mizzen and Main, I've gotten to have extraordinary conversations with other founders, and I know that there are takeaways that a lot of people would benefit from. So episodes will also feature the same 15 main questions in each podcast, helping bring a continuity to these discussions, with appropriate probing on key themes as they develop throughout the interview. Perhaps most distinctively, I'm focused primarily on founders building something right now, and not just the billion-dollar unicorns that get the headlines every day. These interviews feature real people building real businesses today. Business titans from years ago offer much to learn from, but my focus is on those in the heart of their journey to build something great. To keep things particularly interesting, I'll also be interviewing a few well-known athletes and coaches, founders in their own right, to gain additional insight and inspiration as to what it takes to achieve greatness. Would love to hear any feedback anytime. I'm on Twitter at Kevin S. And I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I've enjoyed having them. Christina Lynch is the founder of Mi Golandrina, a fashion company here in Dallas that works with artisans in Mexico to hand make beautiful dresses with intricate embroidery and detailing that can take in some cases as long as several months. Having studied theater and business, She is a unique woman who has embraced her mother's love of Mexico and her family's heritage in a way that is having a profound effect on the lives of hundreds of artisans throughout Mexico. There is so much to learn and unpack throughout this episode. I'm confident you'll love it. Miguel Adrina was initially going to be a betting and other home goods company that accidentally became a dress company because of a surprise twist in those first products and a hit of an opening party. Traveling quite a bit, Christina has found a unique workout regimen that keeps her sane. We also talked quite a bit about that balance of family, friends, and work, and how it is in some ways impossible to truly find a balance, but rather more important to just make it work in a healthy way, given the stage of life, family, and business that you're in. This was my first episode to record live, and I'm so glad it was with Christina because her passion and enthusiasm for her work and its impact on the artisans she works with shines through in every moment of this conversation. A family member once told her, don't quit. And we're all the more fortunate for Christina sticking to that every day as she builds a company with products that are in extremely high demand. They are truly everywhere in Texas and they are growing fast. And one that has such a positive impact on hundreds of women across Mexico. Please stop by to visit her at their showroom here in Dallas, online at megolandrina.com or on Instagram at me underscore Golandrina. And if you're looking for the perfect gift for a woman in your life, please know that my wife is absolutely obsessed with their products. You definitely can't go wrong here. Christine, I'm really glad that you are here. This is the first time I've done an episode uh, in front of someone rather than on the phone. So this (laughs) should be really interesting, but um, please tell us a little bit about your business and a little bit about yourself.
1: For sure. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Christina Lynch. I am the founder of and Andrina. We work with artisans in Mexico, and I started the business in 2013. Um, We are now at about 20 employees in Dallas and work with a little over 450 artisans in Mexico. Um, I love what I do, and um, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got started. So I went to NYU, um, grew up in Dallas. And, um, when I was there, I actually double majored in economics and theater, um, which is so random, I know, but I loved it. quite a combination. (laughs) Yes.
0: Um, very theatrical numbers.
1: Yes. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I, I think I learned a lot from both majors. Um, theater really taught me to be a little bit more confident and, um, and economics was great for starting a business. And actually my favorite class was economic development, which
0: Interesting, kind of yeah, you play into this. a big role. Mm-hmm. Our creative director actually majored in theater as well. Oh, really? And it serves him very well in a very creative role. Mm-hmm. It's, it's,
1: it's great. Um, and so my junior year of college, I realized how much I really enjoyed fashion. Um, my mom had her own clothing business um, with her sister. Um, and I, I just always really loved it. Um, so my junior year, I decided to have some internships. So I interned at Narciso Rodriguez. He's a Latin uh, fashion designer in New York. Um, I interned at a fashion consulting business called uh, called Estuaries. Um, and so they worked with smaller businesses and helped them understand how to go to market, how to sell their clothing. Um, And then I remember my senior year of college, I was talking to my dad, who really helps me out so much. And um, I was going into my senior year, and he was like, who are you talking to? Who are you networking with? Um, And so I started networking straight into senior year, and I think it really helped me a lot. And um, I got the job I really wanted, which was working in sales for Oscar de la Renta.
0: Wow. Um, And do you attribute that to that push to, to start networking?
1: Yes, I do. I, you know, I think it's all about kind of understanding what you're getting into and really hearing about other people's experiences and understanding not only do I want to work at Oscar de la Renta, but why do I want to work there? What mm-hmm. are people doing there? And um, I was so excited. I remember I thought I wanted to one day be a CEO of one of those kind of bigger name mm-hmm. Um high-end uh, businesses. And Did
0: you ever think that would have your name behind the company?
1: <laughs> no, I did not realize yeah. that at that time. Um, I always kind of thought about having my own company, but that was earlier on. And yeah. um, I think college is when you start looking at where you're going to work. But anyway, I loved working there. I had an awesome boss, um, sold the ready to wear internationally and um, did their jewelry business um, domestically. Um, and when I was there, that's when I really had the idea for Amigo Londrina. So there was a consultant who came to work at Oscar de la Renta and, um, went to India to see how some of the ball gowns and pieces were being made. And she showed us these incredible videos of pieces being embroidered. Um, and so I saw that and was just very inspired and remembered kind of my childhood and what I'd grown up with, which is... My mom um, always collected artisan-made pieces. Our home was always covered in that. Um, but she did it in such a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I um, kind of started to get this idea that I wanted to work with artisans in Mexico um, to really and make it more kind of high-end, luxe, like exactly what I was seeing at Oscar. It was just so rich and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I was at Oscar Atlanta for a year and a half, and then I left because I wanted to go work somewhere um, a little more, that was, i um, trying to think of the best way to say this, um, it was a little younger, and yep. they were um, focusing on technology a little bit more. So it was called yep. Jet Setter, which was owned by the Gilt Group.
0: Huh. Yeah, um, I, I actually bought um, my honeymoon through Jetsetter. J- oh, you did! Yes, yes. <laughs> Great. That was a that was an awesome site.
1: <laughs> I loved it. It was so much fun. I was the market manager for Latin America, um, so it really helped with my Spanish. Um, and did you grow
0: up speaking Spanish? I grew up speaking okay. Spanish,
1: but negotiating in Spanish is very different than growing up speaking Spanish. So that r- really helped me. Um, and then there were also, it was a great group of people that were excited to start their own things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was talking to people all the time that wanted to start different websites. Um, and so anyway, after jet setter, um, I decided to move home. Um, I kind of had this moment where I called my brother and asked him what he thought of this business idea it was very abstract it was basically that i wanted to work with artisans in mexico show off the beauty of what they were doing um and at the time i kept going to this store called abc home okay um and so when i was there they had um bedding that was so beautiful and from france and morocco and italy and i realized that nothing at the time was from latin america so this was about 2011 now there you go into home stores and there are a lot more latin inspired pieces but seriously at the time it was kind of just starting Mm -hmm. um so i moved home um long story short um met with the ceo of peacock alley jason needleman okay um we are he's my mentor and um a very good friend and anyway he helped me get started I told him the idea and he thought it was great Um, and so we worked together to launch a small collection of artisan made pieces Um, so actually our first launch party was at Peacock Alley.
0: Oh very nice Mm -hmm. and did you meet him while you were going through this networking phase in college or afterwards?
1: No so I met him he's family friend okay and I've known him since I was little so I was Um, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to start internships early, so Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to be in post-production television. Okay. Um, so I worked for a company here called Real Effects and he was just instrumental in helping with that because he was then the CEO, um, of Real Effects. Okay. Um, and he has just had an incredible career and continues to be a wonderful mentor.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I feel like so many of the early breaks that I had in my career were from high school and college getting push from mentors and from my parents to network. And it's such an underappreciated definitely time window and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to share with, I've um, mentored some, some students and, and spoken to students at SMU. And my message to them is at 22 and in college, you can meet with almost anyone. Mm-hmm. At 22 and a half out of college, no one really wants to meet with you because you're just (laughs) another person but if you're somebody who's a student and you you express that eagerness of engaging and learning and um providing that value of being a, a an engaged mentee or someone that appreciates the time that you're asking for um so many opportunities can come out of that so it's really cool to hear that come full circle
1: definitely and it's it's so important now too i I feel like when I was getting started, like you're saying, I, I was networking more. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually did a business program here in Dallas called 10,000 Small Businesses. Oh, nice. Um, and they kept talking to us about networking, networking. Mm-hmm. Everything. And so I did it a lot more often while I was in that program. And I really think more things just happened to Miguel and Drina when Mm -hmm. you kind of speak things into existence with people who are excited to
0: help you. Yeah. You have no idea who might be listening to that conversation or they might know that one person that really can make make a big difference. Um, I've actually, I don't, I haven't shared this with many people. The breakthrough that I finally got to find my fabric was my one of my wife's family friends spent his career in the footwear industry and I'd been trying to break through and trying to break through to find the right fabrics Mm -hmm. and he didn't tell me exactly where but he set me on the right path um and his name is Mike Staffaroni and he he really changed the trajectory of this idea that I'd been exploring forever to finally make it a reality.
1: That's incredible.
0: Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about when you kind of made that first um, jump into it. You said your your first show, your opening was um, at this store. How did you make your first? Uh, how did you make your first product? And talk to me about the time from, okay, I've made this first product. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a real thing now I can Mm -hmm. touch my idea in person to, I'm going to go start this business. And how did you accelerate that time in between?
1: For sure. So I had mentioned to Jason that Jason Needleman of Peacock Alley that I wanted to do this. Um, He loved the idea, but I just showed some pictures. So I went to Mexico to gather embroideries and look at different pieces and I really fell in love with an embroidery that's from San Antonino Castillo Velasco and it's over 200 years old. I actually grew up wearing it um, but the way I found it was in one of my mom's books that um, shows award-winning artisans. So there was this dress that just, it looked like a watercolor painting. It was stunning. I couldn't believe it. And then later I was looking in my closet and I was seeing the pieces and so it was all making sense. Um, so that was the embroidery that I wanted to use for what was then the idea of a decorative pillow mm-hmm. kind of duvet thing.
0: And just to clarify, you said you'd seen some of these things, your mom had them and you had them growing up. Mm-hmm. And this were all independent artisans and small shops. There was no one company doing no, this, right? No, there
1: was no one company. And yep. and that's what's been so interesting with Miegel and Drina. So um, I see this, I love it, but you can't, there's no phone number. You, right. <laughs> you kind of have to go you have there. To find it. Yes. Yep. So we went down to Oaxaca, met with all sorts of people and learned so many things. And it was one of those moments where I really had to hold back and stay focused and just really know that I had to pick one thing to do really well. Yeah. Um, so I met one woman who was just very excited about what I was doing. And it's tough at first because when you come with an idea, a lot of artisans, unfortunately, have been burned. They they haven't been paid on time. They um, have been asked for a product that nobody ever comes and picks up. So a lot of artisans are weary at first. Um,
0: understandably so.
1: And very understandably so. So it was very exciting when somebody was willing to, to take a chance with me. Um, so we worked on some floral embroideries, but at the time, all we had were dresses and I needed to make pillows. Um, so basically, I received all of these dresses and figured out how to take them apart to make these
0: wow. really beautiful pillows. Um, and what was it that made you say, I want to do pillows?
1: Just that initial thought of wanting to do um, decorative bedding.
0: Okay,
1: I I thought like, this is the idea, stick with it, try it, see how it goes. Peacock Alley thought it was beautiful. So... I just, I didn't want anybody to think it couldn't work. So I didn't even tell anybody I was taking dresses apart. I was just kind of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad would just laugh because I was living with my parents and I was kind of unstitching dresses. And anyway, I ended up with a closet full of uh, sleeveless dresses and knew I wanted to do something with them. So I took them to um, a specialty seamstress and um, she finished the pieces into these beautiful tops and dresses. Um, So I had about 50 tops and dresses for our launch party. I loved them. I was so excited. I think I was more excited about the dresses and tops and the pillows and duvets. And um, the duvets were actually machine embroidered, which I really wasn't very excited about. Um, So we do our launch party. The invitation is gorgeous. We invite 500 people, have mariachis, have margaritas. I'm so nervous. I mean, I felt like I was upside down, but I had beautiful support from my family. They what all was the came. name of
0: that company at the time?
1: So it was Migo Londrina. Okay. Um, and anyway, in about 30 minutes, we sold all the dresses and tops and people were so excited and they kept saying how exquisite it was. And part of me was confused because I had grown up seeing it. Um, but I realized that what I did was I'd given it the platform that I was trying to do with the pillows uh-huh. and really made people understand this is a special piece. Yeah. This piece took a month
0: to make. And you're wearing art. You're wearing art. And that's why you like it. So did you sell those uh, pieces of bedding as well? or Yes. So okay, we sold the did. bedding okay. as well.
1: Um, I think we had a few left over, but uh, almost 100% sell through. And... Um, but there was a different excitement about the clothing. And maybe that was me too. I I love clothing and so it was exciting. Um, So after that, we were sold out. I had taken pictures thinking I was going to sell them on my website, Mm -hmm. Um, but we didn't have anything to sell. So um, it was awesome. Um, We were taking pre-orders, but then I quickly found out that I wanted to receive the piece before it was sold and make sure everything was perfect before it went out. Um, just because I, just as I wanted this to be a luxury good, it also needed to be a luxury experience.
0: Yeah. And how, going back to working with those artisans, um, I found a similar process in, in naming our company, the creative that I worked with described all the times he'd done freelance creative work and gotten burned or people want to start companies Mm -hmm. and they say, Oh, it'll be good for your portfolio. And Mm -hmm. that, that nonsense, um, how did you get them to take a risk did you do something different do you was it did you have a connection to them talk talk about that
1: i really feel that my mom being from mexico was just instrumental um i grew up in a culture where family comes first um lunch is a very important meal um and taking time and looking at people while you're talking to them is is so important Um, So I think those things really came into play with understanding how to work with artisans. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we first started working with our first artisan partner, um, you know, we worked slowly, we started growing, um, but I did have this really funny moment. So um, McCombs, the UT Business Mm -hmm. School, um, has this group project where they reach out to small businesses and see how they can help. Mm And so I was introduced to a small group, and they asked if they could get on the phone with our artisan partner with me on the phone and ask some questions um, and one of the questions was, how do we increase production and provide fabric in a way that you'll be able to produce more mm-hmm. and I had asked that so many times, sure, uh, but in the past, and I'd kind of just let it you know I knew we were growing together, and it was going to happen sure um so they asked and i translated and i asked and my artist the artist and partner we were working with had this answer that was very different than what i had heard before and i thought well why are you saying this you know now why didn't you say this 4 months ago right. i'm so happy to work this way you right. know we can change things around and she said cuz i trust you and i know we're going to grow so much together and that was a year in wow so it takes a while to build people's trust yeah But trust is such an awesome thing because, and I think I've learned from that, you know, first relationship and partnership, how to work with people and how to really place a strong focus on trust and understanding. And what can we do for you that makes it work and make you want to create
0: a beautiful thing? It's funny. You said, I just knew we'd find a way and we'd keep going. And people ask me early on, how did I... think this would come together or what was I going to do with this? And there's an odd balance, especially in those first few years of, I either didn't really think about it. It <laughs> wasn't big enough deal for me to distract from what I was doing, or I wasn't going to do anything differently. Mm-hmm. And i just conquer that when I got there. And, um, I think sometimes we can be victims of, um, just trying to plan everything out and think through all the eventualities. And if you do that, you won't go anywhere because you don't have those answers yet.
1: I would 100% agree. The best advice that was given to me was super simple. It was from my aunt. She has an iron business called Jam Bolio. She's been selling at Neiman's. I think her line has been at Neiman's, I think for over 30 years. Um, right. But she just said, don't quit, Christy, don't quit. Yep. And it was just so simple, but there are days um, that aren't as exciting as others. Mm-hmm. And just kind of having that in my head and knowing that if you're having a hard day, that's okay. You just have to not quit so you can keep growing.
0: Yeah. So, um, going back to you sell out of the dresses Mm -hmm. and thankfully also do very well with your initial concept. Mm -hmm. Did you click immediately to, okay, I'm pivoting to dresses. Was there some sort of overlap? And then how did you go from, you had the 50 or so to, okay, now I'm going to make as many as I can and start to build this business. Mm-hmm.
1: So we did continue to sell decorative pillows for a while. We had a wholesale account with um, Peacock Alley and it was really a wonderful partnership. There's such a luxe brand. Um, and, but there was a strong focus for me, I knew on the clothing. So I went right back to Mexico and, um, and then just slowly started growing mm-hmm. with them. And um, it's kind of been that, you know, our, we've grown quickly, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we've grown responsibly because we've had to, because everything is handmade.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so there were times where we would just completely sell out and um, and sometimes disappoint people, which was hard. Um, and I think now we're finally at a point where we have enough product and we have enough people creating mm-hmm. product. Um, but that was had so much to do with, meeting with people and getting more artisans to work with us.
0: Yeah. And how do you, you had that first one that mm-hmm. was, um, you described that experience of how wonderful it was to, to bring them on board. How do you add the next 20? How do you add, you're at 450 mm-hmm. artisans, which the impact of that is so extraordinary because you're treating them responsibly mm-hmm. and helping them um, in what you studied years ago with economic development. How do you find those new artisans? And how do you build now? You have an infrastructure in mm-hmm. Mexico. This is not I'm working with a few people.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, it goes hand in hand with paying and treating people responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you start doing that, the there's basically a community is known for a specific style. So San Antonino is known for their beautiful floral embroidery. And the grandmothers to the granddaughters know how to do it. Um, So if you have a reputation of paying on time and paying well, then people want to work with you Mm -hmm. and growth kind of happens. Sure, Um, It's definitely not, it's not easy to do. You have to stay on top of it and make sure that, um, you know, the the product is being created at the level that you want. But like I said, if you're paying well, and I think that the artisans we work with know how much we, Miguel Londrina, and Dallas appreciate it. I mean, we press each piece. um, We finish each piece with little details. We size it to make sure it fits the customer perfectly. Um, We have so much pride, and and they Mm -hmm. have so much pride, and it just works well together. Um, And now we're starting to partner also with um, an NGO, actually, in Chiapas um, called Impacto. And they work to do what we've been doing, so pay artisans um, ethically and um, and anyway, it's it's been a wonderful experience because they already have those relationships mm-hmm. and they need somebody to help them grow. Yeah. Um, so we've been excited to partner with people in different ways so that we can um, really work with these communities in a way that really benefits them.
0: That's great. So last, uh, uh, let's say priming question. Where did the name come from?
1: Migo Londrina. So first it was going to be Golondrina. Um, I wanted to buy golondrina.com and that as, was expensive. Yep. As, <laughs> as
0: with most business names. Yes. Yep.
1: Um, and so I changed it to Migo Golondrina, which I like more. I'm so glad that happened. Um, but a golondrina is a swallow and it's a lot in a lot of Mexican songs and poems, but, um, There were swallows all over my grandfather's ranch growing up. Um, And so it's kind of this romantic bird to me um, that travels all over Mexico. And so I see Argolondrina traveling throughout Mexico and working with different communities. It's kind of this, I don't know, it sounds, I'm a romantic, but (laughs) it's just kind of a romantic name to me. My mom came up with it um, and I love it. And I know it's hard to say, but I like it a lot.
0: It's, it's one of the easier Spanish words to say, yes, coming yes. from a native English yes. speaker. Um, so you've already talked quite a bit about this, but let's talk a little bit about the culture of your company. Um, you obviously have a significant impact uh, in the work that you do. Um, but now it's not just the work that you do with the artisans. You're building a company here in Dallas as well. So you're, you're in that every day. How do you define your culture, and how do you defend it every day?
1: So I love our culture. Um, and I in our Dallas office, like I said, they're about seventeen to twenty women a day um, we're all women we just hired a pattern maker who's a man my my dad was starting to ask about that he thought I was sexist um, but it, we just happened to hire a lot of women so um, it's a great um, culture so um I would say that it has a lot of Latin influence. Um, so we have a team meeting every week. Um, that's one of my favorite times, um, just to connect with everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll also, every two weeks, we'll do a team meeting at my apartment, which is pretty squish. but I'll make a frittata. And um, I think it lets people really relax. Yep. Um, and it's so important to me that we all have a good time together, help each other, um, We always call each other the Migo Londrina Familia. We really are like a little family. Mm -hmm. Um, I know everything that our employees are going through. I try to help them. They try to help me. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, you're spending so much time with the Mm -hmm. people you work with. You need to enjoy it. Yep. Um, And so... So yeah, I think team meetings are wonderful. We also have great outings. Um, we just went to Carbones the other night. It was really fun. Awesome. Um, and then in those meetings, it's it's really wonderful. It's a really great time for me to talk about the most recent trip I went on. Mm-hmm. So I always wish that I could bring all the office of 20 with me on these trips because um, it really, it makes you wanna work so mm-hmm. hard. Um, and it's so fun telling them about the trip. So Uh I'll bring pieces back, um, kind of walk through different techniques um, so that we can really share that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: with our customers. Um, And I think that everyone on our team really enjoys that.
0: That's great. And when you think about your artisan partners, do they feel like they are a part of your company or is it uh, I don't want to say transactional cause that, that's, that's very dispassionate. Are you one of the people that they sell to, or do they really feel like they're a part of this now?
1: I would say now they feel they're a part of this. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no, there's nothing saying that they can't, they can't sell the product themselves, mm-hmm. their own product. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. I like that they continue to be business owners. Mm-hmm. Um. But very much. I would say that most artisans we're working with were 90% of what they're doing. Um, And we come back and show pictures of customers wearing it Mm -hmm. and kind of share that with them so they understand how special it is. And they really take so much pride in what they do. Um, One of the things that we've done is look at the fabrics that Mm -hmm. they're working with. Um, So for example, desilado dress can take up to six months to make. but sometimes it's made on a very soft poly cotton um, and it'll start to pill. Mm -hmm. And when you think of a piece that's taken that long to make and it pilling, it's just really sad. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been so neat to show them different fabric qualities Mm -hmm. and kind of decide together what will work best. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really is a conversation. So, you know, we have chambrays, we have... Cotton's with a little poly on them. In them, we have 100% linen. So we have all these kind of things we can pull from. Right. And then we understand what the community needs. So, right. for example, one of the communities we work with, San Vicente Cotlan, they're known for cross-stitch embroidery, which I, I love it. Um, and they follow the lines of the fabric. So they have always worked in Manta cotton, um, which is a beautiful cotton, um, and the only other fabric that we will work with, with them is linen because it has the same holes yep. on it and they can, they can follow it. We tried a different fabric once, um, in the very beginning and they said right away, this isn't the right fabric. And we Move learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's great. Um, so how many years into this are you now?
1: Um, our launch party was June, 2013. 13.
0: So yep. So, years. um, how long did you go in getting this off the ground where you really were not paying yourself very much at all, um, or that you made nothing founders at first, it's all in on the business. And then eventually you can start to live a normal life again. Definitely, Um, Have you seen that turn somewhat back to normal yet? Um, talk to me a little bit about that journey.
1: Yeah, I feel very fortunate with my journey. Um, so I moved home. Um, I moved in with my parents. And I had been in New York for almost seven years. Um, And because I was double majoring, I spent the summers there as well. So I really hadn't spent a lot of quality adult time with my parents. Um, So it was exciting to me to be with them. My dad works in private equity. Um, My mom had her own business. So they're great to talk to about business. Um, so I moved in. I didn't take a salary um, for about three years. Lived with them for three years, yeah. and as wonderful as that is, it's tough sometimes mm-hmm. to um, just, you know, be a young adult living in your parents, and you feel like a crazy person. And um, and so I um, I did that, but I I think that that was so instrumental in mm-hmm. building me, Goldolina. I needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we became profitable, um, 2014, about a year and a half in. That's great. Um, but profitable meant so little, right? Of course. But it was really exciting. It still
0: means something.
1: I remember thinking, like, am I reading this right? And I'm so, <laughs> so excited. Um, and um, that's
0: that combination of theater and economics. That's <laughs> yes, great. Exactly.
1: Um, so anyway, I uh, I moved out. It was an incredible experience to i had never lived by myself in new york you always shared um either a room or an apartment right (laughs) exactly um so it was really liberating and and just so much fun um and now i have a salary um i really prioritize work-life balance Mm -hmm. um and i tell that to all our employees as well it's just so important just so that you can enjoy work, that mm-hmm. you have fun with your friends. Um, so I have a wonderful group of girlfriends. I have a great boyfriend. I go out, I travel, um, and then I just, I do work really hard. I, mm-hmm. I love it. It doesn't. It doesn't feel difficult because I love it so much, but I know that I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. doing it and my mind is on it probably
0: 99% of the time. (laughs) I feel that. I feel that very much. Mm And, um, two things you said resonate in terms of really enjoying where you work. And that's been a a consistent goal of mine. We're at, um, about 44 people now. And, um, we spend more time together than most of us will spend with anybody else. Definitely, that should be a good thing Mm -hmm. and talk to people who hate their jobs. And there's very few people that are truly trapped. Some people it's, you really have to stay heads down for personal right. reasons or something that might keep you there but most people it's not that way
1: no it's incredible how we all create our own kind of boxes mm-hmm. that aren't real do you all do do you all do team meetings and, yeah or So, how often are- um
0: we were doing um, uh, an all hands meeting every monday for about an hour um, and that started years ago mm-hmm. um, and it really started that needed to happen when I was used to, there were four of us, there were seven of us, there were 10 of us, and everyone kind of knew what everybody was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was right around the time we hit double digits, it was we needed to just stop what we were doing and not assume that everyone knew. We needed to actually talk about it and just make sure we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's gotten to the point where with 44 people we have two layers of leadership. There's really, it doesn't make sense to meet every single week. Right. Um, So we'll have now every other week. And then something that we instituted a couple, actually probably about 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, um, was a a 9am stand up. So at 9am, everybody, you go around the room, start with how are you doing? Uh, It's actually a really important thing. If someone's having a really bad day, Um, if someone's really stressed, if someone is just not in the right place, it's helpful to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then maybe when you go up to them and ask them for something, you have context that they might not be having a great day. Um,
2: Definitely.
0: And then, um, or it's also a fun time for people to share cool news. Right. Um, we've had a couple of people tell us they're pregnant in the stand up <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, what is your number one priority for the day and what, what challenge are you facing right now? And the goal with the priority is uh, I want people to, remember that priorities exist. It's not just, I'm going to put heads down for the next 8 to 12 hours.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What what do I have to accomplish today? And then that hopefully orients people to thinking through planning their day and thinking through not everything is, everything that's urgent is not necessarily important. Mm. And we get lo- we all get lost in that.
1: Definitely. Um,
0: and then a challenge is an opportunity. Maybe someone's really struggling with a client or a customer or a, uh, one of our vendors or something along those lines, and they can air that and someone might be able to share some perspective. Or again, my challenge is, I have to get this file back to somebody by 5 p.m. and I'm literally going to take Every moment until the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And again, giving that context, maybe maybe don't bother that person. Today. Right. Maybe there's another way to get what you need.
1: And how much time do you spend on your 9 a.m. stand up?
0: Uh, it should be less than 10 minutes. It's part of why we have everybody standing, mm-hmm. um, because if people are sitting, it just kind of take your time. And it is, everybody should be speaking for less than 30 seconds. Um, and I it, love that. It's an opportunity to look everybody in the eye every morning. Mm-hmm. I really. I don't want that to change at a certain point, stand ups break into departments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the people from like the department leads then come together and, and do a kind of team leadership stand up. Um, that's when you get into that kind of 60, 70, 100 people. And I'm I'm not looking forward to that. That'll I be really odd. I was that, wondering,
1: that kind of growth, what do, you, what do you think about that kind of growth and kind of seeing your team at that level?
0: It's been um, really fascinating um, being obviously the founder, seeing things evolve and how much I don't see, um, watching or hearing about, I hate to say clicks, it's not really a click, but seeing these subcultures kind of emerge and how people interact and finding out that some people are really struggling with somebody else and Mm
2: -hmm.
0: not knowing that that was even existing is very odd. Mm -hmm. Um, As I gave you a tour of our office earlier, this is our sixth office in six years and um it i'm so used to for our first three offices i could look and see everybody that worked for the company mm-hmm. um but we i've heard around 20 to 25 people everything breaks and it's i've heard that too very true it's not <laughs> one moment and it's not one new person um but everything just changes so much in terms of the communication dynamics, the interpersonal dynamics start to have kind of layers in between people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that and we really struggled for a couple months. Um, we did a team survey, uh, this was years ago now, and I thought everything was just great <laughs> and sure. we It's a struggle and you're fighting for growth and survival every day, but, um, the feedback was not good. And I assumed it it really was great. Now it wasn't universally bad, but it was nowhere near as good as I thought it was. So we ended up um, really deciding in that moment as a leadership team, we have to be really specific and define our culture and we really have to stick to it and challenge ourselves. And um, it's interesting within about 18 months of starting that, all of the, um, let's call it the more challenging personalities, um, either decided to leave or unfortunately had to be shown the door. And that's part of the challenge in, in working with people and growing. And some people aren't, right, aren't the right fit. And they may have been at one time, but that changes. And not to say that now everything is perfect. There's mm-hmm. always those challenges, but of course. that's where you have to ask yourself in every interaction, am I reinforcing it? Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember who it was. Someone said, you can choose to define your culture, Or you can choose not to but either way you're choosing to and that's if you decide not to challenge someone or what somebody says or how somebody acts or how somebody does something you've defined your culture right Mm -hmm. you can rise up to it or fall down to it Mm -hmm. and that's not you have a choice but you don't right? right everything you do reinforces that and how you spend your time how you reward people how you recognize people it's 24-7. It happens all the time.
1: I think that's so neat and something that shouldn't be taken lightly. I think you all doing that survey is, is super brave. And kind of when you're in that spot and you realize you have to ask yourself those yeah. questions, it's it's not as simple as it seems, but it's, yeah. it's wonderful.
0: And it was interesting. We have a very open culture here. No one has ever been penalized or faced consequences for any mistakes. And, and we try and encourage open feedback. But there were some really bad things that were provided in terms of feedback because we did it 100% anonymously, mm-hmm. and you start to read through this, and, and it's it was really frustrating because it was how can you be this upset or this unhappy and not have told me anything about it? Right. And there's a sense of responsibility. It goes it goes two ways, and again, most of those people I assume were the ones that are no longer here. Right. Um. But. I've found, we do this survey, we've done it three times since then, and I've done 360s on myself, and um, I get feedback from my board. If I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not, if I don't have a constant finger on the pulse of how the company's feeling, how my board is feeling about me, how everybody is feeling about the work that I'm doing, the work that their managers are doing, um, again, you can choose to, or you can choose not to. that feedback is happening. Whether you're asking for it or not Mm will define how you adjust to it.
1: And how often do you meet with your board?
0: Um, We have quarterly board meetings. And it's either up in New York or down here in Dallas. Um, And then our, so our senior leadership team, um, we have a head of product, head of finance, marketing, sales, and operations. We meet every uh, week for at least an hour and a half. um, And it's a chance for us to really dive into the bigger things that are happening. Um, and then we go off-site at least once a quarter as well. So we'll go rent a conference room at a WeWork or something, and it helps to just step away and and really dig into some of those more challenging issues that we're facing, including just planning, because it's really hard. Yes. It's really hard. <laughs>
1: That's fantastic.
0: Um, that was a great tangent. So uh, back to some of the questions. Who most inspired you? And and that can be a, a personal connection or it can be a famous person or both.
1: Um, when I was graduating... From NYU um, I really want another place I really wanted to work was Tory Burch Um, I thought that when she got when she started her um, company focus was to show clothing that was inspired by world travels Um, and I I love that so I've always admired her and the way she's grown and um, and her stores are beautiful and um, and so anyway, I would say she is the famous person that inspired me. Um, and then it really comes back to family. So my brother was the one who convinced me to move home and start the business. Um, he works in private equity as well. Um, and But he also has actually, he has a great website called A Simple model.com that uh, teaches people how to... Um, Model So create spreadsheets and um, that
0: kind of modeling.
1: That kind yeah, of modeling. Not the so fashion modeling. No, but he's, it's great because it's funny. Yes. Um, you have to check it out. It's awesome. It's I a will. free site. Um, and so anyway, he's always doing these um, side projects and um, doesn't stop. And we kind of feed off each other a lot. So he was the one who told me I needed to start right away or somebody else was going to do it, which I thought was so funny because I didn't even know what I was doing (laughs) yet. (laughs) Um, But he knew I was competitive and that somehow that would get me to move home.
0: Is he your older brother?
1: He's my older brother. Um, And then uh, my mom really inspired me the most, just the Latin culture she raised me with, the uh, appreciation of beauty, um, And just, yeah, so she has been collecting art from Mexico since she was 18 years old.
0: When did she move to the U.S.?
1: Um, In her 20s. Okay. Um, And she, I have never met anybody that loves Mexico as much as she does. Um, She should be the ambassador or something. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, that just is in me um, because of her and, and I love it. And I think it'll always helped me with Miguel and Drina to really understand that we're showing a culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's been so fun that we're focused on one country. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I've had people ask if we're going to work with um, with artisans in 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 other countries, but there's so much in Mexico. Yeah, I mean
0: you have only just scratched the we surface. We have
1: barely yeah. scratched the surface. There's so much to do. So um I'm just so excited that that she showed me that and and she works really, really hard. So um, when we go to Mexico, so when I go to Mexico for um, artisan sourcing trips or um, meeting with partners that we already have, um, I always have to bring granola bars with me because I know we're not going to stop for a meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, because after we meet with artisans, she wants to meet with ceramicists and people who are, you know, creating Works of art in different mediums. So mm-hmm. we we do not stop, um, and I I think that that just um, thirst for life and not wanting to stop is is what's inspired me from her.
0: Have you had the opportunity to tell Tori in any capacity how much uh, she has inspired your journey?
1: No, I have not. Okay. I, I'll have to do that one day. Though. Okay.
0: Well, maybe she's listening.
1: <laughs> probably. <laughs> maybe she is.
0: Probably not yet, but. Tori, if you're listening, you had a huge impact on Christina. <laughs> um, so, um, changing gears, when you think about um, when you think about your journey and that never-off mentality, how do you stay sane? You've, you've mentioned that you make sure that you still spend time with friends and um, you're in a great relationship and you still travel, but it still takes more than that. What mm-hmm. do you do to stay sane?
1: I think number one, it's important to know that it's okay to not feel 100% happy all the time. It's okay to have bad days, and so I, I think I'm, I've learned that that's okay, and I think that helps me stay sane. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that helps me stay sane is working out. Um, so I prioritize it. Um, I work out in the gym. I have, oh, I found these wonderful 30 minute uh, video workouts that I do on um, my trips in Mexico. So the trips in Mexico, the gyms are tiny, tiny, and there's not a lot of things to work out with. So I do this quick Tabata thing in the morning and I'm a new person.
0: What, where are those workouts?
1: Um, you on, said they're online? They're on
0: YouTube. What's just, it called? I just,
1: uh, 30 minute Tabata, um, with. Rainier, Rainier something. Um, I've loved it. I think that's helped me a lot. Um, And then the other thing that helps me stay sane is working with such not only intelligent women, but kind, supportive, and respectful women. Um, So, you know, our COO, Diana Swope, she came from Neiman's, um, and she went to Stanford Business School, was a consultant, um, just wonderful. Um, and we have this relationship that's just wonderful and respectful and exciting. And I think we're both kind of excited to see things grow. Um, so I think we help keep each other sane. If I have a bad day, mm-hmm. she's there for me.
0: That's great. That's And really so important. is the
1: whole team. I was just trying to pick somebody I of could course. talk about.
0: Um, so... Continuing this, in this theme, if everything were okay while you were gone, uh, meaning the business would just continue and and you didn't have to worry about it. Someday that'll happen. (laughs) What would you do for a single month away from it all?
1: So I don't really fantasize about going away for a month and it's crazy. I was just gone for, I was gone from Thursday to Monday, um, and was so excited when I woke up this morning and put on my Meikle shirt and was thinking about my work days. So I love short trips, but after 10 days, I'm pretty ready to get back and start working again. Um,
0: That's a good place to be.
1: Yes. Um, if I had a month where I could leave the office, and I, I think this is a goal, it would be to be in Oaxaca mm-hmm. um, and really be a part of the communities we're yeah. working with more yeah. right now you know i talk to them every day they all have whatsapp um yep it's pretty incredible what technology has done for it these is. communities it is um but i do think about really immersing myself more for that month and yep. just how incredible that would be
0: that would be that would be quite an experience and i'm i'm imagining you'll get there sooner rather than later um so how has starting a business affected your personal life and what would you say your biggest sacrifice over the last four to five years has been
1: i think my biggest sacrifice has been time Mm -hmm. um and that's why going back to you know when we were talking about who we work with and how we like how we've created a great experience um and honestly not Mm -hmm. just who we work with we're so lucky to have such friendly customers Mm -hmm. um I mean, we have customers who bring us gifts, who write us sweet emails every day. Um, it's it's really wonderful. I feel like I have a whole new group of, of friends, too. Um, but so yeah, so it's been time. So for example, for the month of March, this last March, we had a pop-up for a month that was so much fun in The Pearl um, uh, by Hotel Emma. And it was right before Fiesta, so it was super busy for us. And it was our first month-long pop-up. Um, so I wasn't just going to go for a few days. I, I was in and out of San Antonio a lot and mm-hmm. still making sure that our Dallas showroom was running right and that yep. artisans are sending the right things. And so you're you're juggling a lot of things. So oh,
2: yeah.
1: um, I kind of know that there are certain periods where we really ramp up. And um, I mean, last holiday... I spent a lot of time in the car because, um, it was important for me to me, um, for us to grow our Texas market. Mm-hmm. So last holiday, I was driving to Amarillo, Corpus Christi, Fort Worth, um, Austin, Houston, um, uh, Midland Breckenridge. So that's a lot of time kind of yeah. away from home and, um, and away from your friends. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so the biggest thing is time. But what's wonderful is the time is great. I wouldn't be doing it. Right. I just know that I have had some friends um, who wonder where I am. Sure. Um, but I'm really lucky, I think, now to have this awesome group of girlfriends that work really hard. And we all kind of love sharing our stories with each other and growing yep. with each other.
0: Yeah. I, um, I've i noticed... Uh, it, it, in the last probably three years, the amount of time, and, and I have a, a young son and, and a daughter on the way, it's, you, you have family, friends, and work. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere in that mix, I guess, is also personal. And you really can only fill kind of one or two of those at a time. right? Um, and if you're getting to spend a lot of time with your friends, it probably means that you're not getting to spend that time with your family. Yeah, it's or, that
1: pyramid. Yes. I can't remember what book I was reading where they discuss that. You yeah, can't we've have seen the same three. thing. No, no.
0: <laughs> and then again, somewhere in there is is personal and needing to to stay mentally and physically fit.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I'm really excited about kind of the family and marriage chapter of, of my life. I think a lot of times people ask me like, are you excited to do that, mm-hmm. to have a family one day? And that's probably one of the most exciting things and things I look forward to most. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm so excited that I got to work on this before Mm -hmm. that Yes, um, because I feel like I'm putting things in place so that I can, I I don't think there's a real balance, but so that I can try to achieve that um, understanding kind of open-mindedness to how I do both.
0: Yeah. I, um, so my, It started the business six years ago and got married six years ago. Um, And my wife ended up being our CMO for a number of years. And and we, we got to experience something truly special together, but just having had my son um, almost two years ago, I'm so grateful that I was able to get the business to a different place Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. the time that he came around. And I have so much respect and wonder for those people who've started businesses around the time that they've had kids, Mm -hmm. Um, because the early days of both are so critical and it's so difficult to find that balance. And you you talk about kind of positioning yourselves, I've had some great mentors that have talked about, and it's pushed me, I think about it all the time is not missing out on your kids Mm -hmm. um, early days. And, um, I've one one gentleman who's built uh, a number of very successful businesses. He said, You know, I, I made sure to basically make it to every baseball game. And so
1: important. now,
0: there's other sacrifices that he made personally and professionally along the way, um, but you can make more decisions in that position. Um, and at the same time, last week was my son's it's Mother's Day out. So it's not really full on school yet. No, that's um, school. <laughs> but I I we had an event with Nordstrom that I really couldn't miss and it was really heartbreaking to miss that. Mm-hmm. But then you go, okay, so I'm gonna make sure I do all these other things. Right. And and find that as you said, the balance. It's not really a a, a real balance, mm-hmm. but f- find it the best that you can.
1: I think um kind of having that appreciation of time and understanding maybe that pyramid is so important not only as somebody running a business, but really understanding how important it is to your employees Mm -hmm. um, has helped me so much. Mm -hmm. So I think that we, our team is made up of just wonderfully bright, strong um, women. And I think something that's really great that we've provided is a space where it's okay to go pick up your child Mm -hmm. at four o'clock. It's okay to come in at 10 o'clock. Um, And it's unbelievable to me how many businesses don't support that, Mm -hmm. um, because I think the payoff is huge.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the it's very short-sighted to um, have that level of oversight. So
1: much. I mean, I think a lot of companies are, especially
0: as the labor market is so tight. Mm -hmm. People know that they can go somewhere better. Right. So you damn well better make it a good (laughs) place. Exactly. So, um, in, in doing some research and as we were talking before we started, my wife absolutely loves your products. Um, and for anyone listening, it is the perfect gift, um, for every woman that, you know, in (laughs) any capacity. Um, but you've gotten some great press and you're really starting to roll. Do you feel like you've had a tipping point? Do you feel like there was an article or a moment that Mm -hmm. really started to, obviously you're not, um, you're not neiman marcus but Mm -hmm. you've really started to experience that growth trajectory Mm -hmm.
1: i think that press is such a wonderful thing and um i think i've learned a lot from it too um you know some press is more exciting just to you and Mm -hmm. some press is really helps grow revenue Mm -hmm. um one moment that I thought was really great um, was when uh, Jenna Bush included us in her pool side picks mm. um, in Southern Living mm-hmm. and our inbox was flooded yeah. for that specific dress. Um, and it was so exciting just to see. It was denim chambray with white embroidery, a really classic color. Um, and to understand that, okay, we created something that the people find special. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was wonderful. Another um, big press moment for for us was uh, Cinco de Mayo. I'm so sorry, I can't remember. It was probably a year ago, um, or maybe two years ago. But it was um, Vogue.com, Vogue, yeah. and that was huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, just talk about just the most reputable right. fashion magazine saying that this is cool. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, we we have been very fortunate. I actually, the first press we received was um, FD Lux. Mm-hmm. They're not in print anymore. Um, there's a beautiful magazine, and it was 10 hot things in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes back to networking. So when I was starting, I talked to bloggers. I talked to all sorts of people. But um, I think when you network also it goes back to what you were talking about. People grow with you. Mm-hmm and are excited to see you grow. Um, So um, I had met with a blogger, Bradley Agather, who has an awesome blog called Luella June. Um, One of my wife's
0: favorites as well. Yes, she's fantastic. She's
1: also a good friend. Um, So she's the reason uh, we were in FD Luxe and the photographer, Steve Visnu, just did such an awesome job. And the funny thing is we hired him for our shoot uh, next month. So I was telling him, you were my first press. so, you know, I think it's important. Press is so important and you always need to think about what story am I telling? Mm-hmm. Um, we're very lucky as a brand to have lots of stories and lots of ways to kind of show the brand to people.
0: That's great. Um, where do you see Miguel Andrina in 10 years?
1: I see Migo Um so I see it growing and um, I love, our website. I love mm-hmm. focusing on the website. Um, so um, we just hired a digital director who's really been looking at just, you know, sp- the sp- from the speed of our site to the way the photographs are shot. And mm-hmm. I'm sure things, your website's amazing, by the way, I love Thank it. Thank you. Um, and I so- take
0: zero credit for it <laughs> at this point in time.
1: Well, it's awesome. Um, and I'm very excited to grow that digital presence. And um, and then, but I think brick and mortar is still so much fun. So our showroom in Dallas um, has been a great platform to um, create the absolute best customer experience level we possibly can. You know, somebody walks in, we give them a Topo Chico, um, you know, anything, any, we do a lot of customization of a piece. So you want it a little bit longer, you want it a little bit shorter, we'll do that in-house. Um So there are certain elements I feel that you can do in person that I just really, really enjoy. And I love creating like a beautiful... So with each shipment, we have a handwritten note, um, beautiful tissue paper. It's just, it's kind of that luxe, you know, what Stanley Marcus did for Neiman Marcus. (laughs) Um, I don't think that that's lost. I think that people still really appreciate those um, little touches. So I'm excited to continue to create um, small stores as we grow. Um, now, what exactly they'll look like, I'm sure. not sure, because I think the retail landscape is just changing so much right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm proud of us for doing kind of these smaller one-day pop-ups, seeing how they would go in mm-hmm. different cities. And now we're slowly doing the one-month pop-up. Mm-hmm. And the next year, um, we should have um, a one-year concept in another city. Um, So there are a lot of exciting things happening, but I think we're taking slow, smart steps. Great. Um, And then most importantly, I'm excited also to see us grow in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So the way we've partnered with the NGO in Chiapas, um, there are so many communities to work with. So I, I hope to be working with five times the artisans we're working with now. But like you said, you have to continue to work on that structure and making sure it all works.
0: So, uh ten years from now, do you think you'll follow your mom's request to do all the different types of um artisan goods, or do you think you'll still stick with?
1: I know well, so we're right now we're playing with um so we do, from little girls, So we do one, two, three little baby dresses. are so cute. Um, and sometimes little customers come in. It kills me.
0: <laughs> um, and they're kind of wearing our
1: our dresses. I, I just love it.
0: We have, uh, as I said, our daughters do in a few months. And I can be telling you, my I'm wife definitely will be taking sending you one. a, a <laughs> lot of <laughs> it's, trips to see you guys. It's my favorite
1: thing. It's just so cute. Um, and, but we have so many moms who have little boys. So uh, we've been kind of asked. and And really, we... Miguel and Drina is about showing artisan goods, but it's also about listening to our
2: customers. Mm-hmm. So
1: our customers want little boys uh, shirts. So we're working on that. That should be coming out soon. Um, and then we're dabbling in Miguel and Drina home. Um, so starting with kind of more embroidered things, um, we're launching a collaboration with Ellis Hill um, for holiday. That's gonna be cocktail napkins and fine dinner napkins. So I'm excited about that. Um, but yes, we will have um, different pieces from different communities. But what will be an important role for me is to make sure it feels curated and special for our
0: customers. Great. Um, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing at the beginning, what would that be? I
1: think if I were to... I. I struggle with this one. not cut up
0: all those dresses <laughs> don't and just start the dr- with the dresses. <laughs> just yeah. do the dresses. Yeah.
1: No, but you learn from everything. Of you know, if I had started with just the dresses, I wouldn't realize how much more I appreciated hand embroidery to machine embroidery. And that machine embroidery is actually a really tough thing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I think I would just reiterate, don't quit. And... um And some days you'll cry and some days, you know, are, are not easy. Um, but it's all just so worth it. I just, I just love it. And part of me is just wants to tell that old me that, Hey, like get going, this is going to change your life and you're going to love it.
0: Love it. Um, so on a similar note, what's your single biggest regret over the last five years?
1: Um, I think the biggest regret, part of me wants to say to not get going sooner. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really kind of a no regrets personality. Um, I do know that at some point I want to get my MBA. and um, And maybe, and so maybe I'll do that. I'll get an executive MBA at some point.
0: I've had uh, a couple friends that did that and really loved the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, What is your, um, what is it that brings you your most joy every day?
1: Two things. One is the women I work with in Dallas and speaking to the artisans we work with in Mexico. So when I call the artisans we work with, um, It's so funny because saying goodbye takes so long uh, because they're so (laughs) lovely. So they'll say bye and then they'll say bye in, um, in Zapotec. And then, um, so it's just, it's rings joy to me, um, kind of that relationship. And then the relationship of, um, of the women I work with in Dallas. Um, And then I love being on the floor and selling Um, and, It's hard not to sometimes, it's so hard uh, because it's all I did when I was getting started. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was, you know, making it happen and then selling it. Um, And um, seeing somebody put on a piece and admire it and understand how much time it took to make it and really look at it like it's a piece of art, Mm -hmm. those customers to me just, bring me so 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 much joy it's Mm -hmm. like we're celebrating something together so
0: when uh when we went through uh it was almost a year ago uh, maybe a little less than a year ago um not a not a full rebranding but a little bit of a repositioning um and came up with our the best damn dress shirt tagline we went through a lot of customer research Mm -hmm. and um our top 250 or so customers are in um, what we call our officer's club and they get special perks and access. And um, we ask them for feedback. Um, what is missing a main to you? What's your favorite part? Mm-hmm. How, how do you describe it? As we were trying to think through, how do we describe? It's really hard to fit moisture-wicking, wrinkle-free, four-way stretch, no ironing, no dry cleaning, <laughs> best shirt you've ever worn, dress shirt, into one tagline. Uh, and that's where we ended up coming up with the best damn dress shirt because it's all of those things. It's awesome. Um, but reading their feedback, no, don't get me wrong, we get plenty of horrifically awful and negative <laughs> feedback from the dark sure. the dark corners of the internet. <laughs> but reading that, it was like oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like oxygen Definitely. on steroids yes. um, of it's how uplifting and, uh, and amazing it is that something that we have built together as a business here, this is how people describe us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's uh it it is something special i I don't i don't go back to that document enough but i I should or just have like some sort of app that just pops up one of our positive customer feedback things every day and then one of the negative ones to bring us back down there
1: (laughs) yes that's important too to be open and okay with critical feedback um and you also have a great kind of infographic on your site of the shirt um that kind of describes what you were describing so well. So
0: we, uh, we struggle with it though, every day, um, people, people are, it's interesting as all of this, all of these competitors have come into our space and and six years ago, everyone Mm -hmm. laughed us out of the professional trade shows saying no one would ever wear anything other than cotton dress shirts today. Almost everyone is doing something at least somewhat similar. And there are brands that are copying us almost wholesale. Um, it's still a relatively unknown category. Right. Um, we are still breaking through. I meet people. I, I travel a lot. I meet people on planes, and I'll tell them what what I do, and they go, "Man, that's a really cool idea." <laughs> and yes, I know. Please buy one.
1: Um, I know because you you get so into what you're doing mm-hmm. that you have to remember to continue to tell as many people yes. as possible.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: How do you? I'm curious. How do you? Um, How do you deal with kind of competition on a day-to-day basis? Mm -hmm. Do you look at it? Do you have people on your team that are looking at it? And then how do you stay positive um, in the face of that? It's
0: a great question. Um, uh, So about a year ago, as you can tell, um, a lot's changed in the last year. um, That was one of the most critical points of feedback I got in my 360 um, from my board and from the team is that I'm not, I'm not engaged enough in the competitive landscape. And for years it was, it doesn't really matter what any of the competition does because I'm going to just make the best damn dress shirt and I'm going to try and lead the best team and, and run the best omni-channel sales approach. And what somebody else does, isn't really going to change that for me. And I think that that's still true. I don't, I don't make, a meaningful decision changes as to how we're running the business based on what competitors are doing. However, we don't sell in a vacuum and mm-hmm. we need to be aware. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we actually do is um, everyone on our team has one or a couple companies that they're assigned to and just what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening from their sales and promo strategy? What's happening from new product strategy? How are they looking at Uh, wholesale? How are they looking at online? How are they looking at own stores? And so we have this comprehensive kind of competitive research and approach that we do across our whole company. And, um, no one thing has come out of that. It's not like we saw some company release a product and go, okay, we have to go do that. Right. But it's helpful just to keep that finger on the pulse of what other people are doing in the industry. Um, and it, it's also a healthy sense of, um, I think I've heard this statistic a number of times. I'm not sure how true it is. And I've repeated it. Nike owns something like nine or 11% of the global athletic apparel market. And it's the biggest company. uh, It's the biggest athletic apparel company in the world by a long shot. Mm -hmm. And so if that's true, Mm -hmm. right, right. There's no shortage of opportunity in, in the apparel space. Mm -hmm. Um, early on, um, I had a, an opportunity to meet with an indirect competitor, the basically the right hand of the CEO, and and a couple of people said, "Oh no, you don't want them to know about you." He's like, "If they don't know about me, I'm <laughs> failing. I want yes. everybody in the world yes. to know about what we're doing, and it, there's no hiding it. Once mm-hmm. you're out there, you're out there, and definitely um, the more the more people that operate in this space, I think the better off we're going to be, because I'm not explaining to people that a dress shirt." can look like a normal shirt and have all these performance characteristics because people understand that. And then right. they'll look and realize that we've been doing this the longest. We're the original, we're the best, and we continue to push on innovation and we've got the best customer service, the best omni-channel sales approach. Um, so I don't look at more entrance as a bad thing. Um, and that may, I still may need to push myself harder on it, but um It's having a sense of awareness and Mm -hmm. a sense of humility that people will compete with you. Right. And then making sure that I continue to stay aware of um, just where opportunities might be Mm -hmm. and and how, what's the customer thinking about our competitors? Right. That's an important thing that um, you can funnel that through your thought process and not change who you are as a company. Mm -hmm. How about yourself?
1: I, um, in the beginning, competition really scared me. Um, I just didn't understand it. And we had, um, company, uh, we had a, a few companies kind of, or we had a um, sorry, we had an experience where there was a company copying very, very similarly what we were doing. Um, so almost kind of trying to confuse the customer. Um, and that was really scary. It's
0: frustrating. Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, but, you know, I think. It was a great growth opportunity for me, just personally too, to say, okay, um, let's focus on what we're doing. And if there's there are kind of different kinds of competition. There are businesses that will copy other businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're just not original enough, so they don't scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's healthy competition. And I actually really enjoy that. I mm-hmm. think that that's great. And like you said, like especially for us when I see that we're helping with a trend that helps artisans, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And so bringing attention to that and making um, wearing an artisan made piece, a luxury experience Mm -hmm. that makes me so happy. And Um, then the
0: the impact that you have by treating artisans well and saying that this is how things should go Mm -hmm. sets a standard and continues to grow the positivity that you bring to the market.
1: Exactly. And then I think for me personally, I, you know, I, I look at other businesses that are doing similar things. Um, you know, I'm excited by a lot of them, but I really do try to stay focused on what we're doing mm-hmm. so that I'm not personally distracted.
0: Yes. Um, That's easy, easily done for yes. folks like us. Yes. <laughs> um, so on a fun note, um what is your most embarrassing professional moment
1: i was trying to think about this i feel like i have so many embarrassing professional moments that they kind of just (laughs) all go together um i oh man i i don't know i have so many um i think just like day to day um i think i feel nervous and embarrassed a lot. So, I think when I was first starting, I just must have had a million of them. Um, So, when I first started, I was, you know, 25, um, and then slowly had people working with us that were older and had resumes that were just so impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I know I had so many moments where I said silly things or didn't understand things. And I'm so lucky to work with people who are so humble and mm-hmm. kind and respectful, um, that have let me not really feel those as much. Yep. Um, and, and really, yeah. So I, I, I don't have one specific one because I think I've had too many. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's,
0: it's good to be aware of, um, your own set of nerves and mm-hmm. and short potential shortcomings. I'm sure you've. Um, conquered all of them with ease. So um, as we talked about earlier, you had an interest in a love of fashion and thought maybe one day you'd be the CEO of one of these big fashion houses. And now you're the CEO of your own company. Do you expect to be doing this your whole life? Or is this a passion project that you want to build to a certain capacity and then see what's next?
1: I want to do this my whole life. Um, I... I'm very just attached to it and excited by it. Now I do think that there will be room and ways to grow. And um, you know, potentially we talk about, you know, would we ever do kind of a Mexican-inspired coffee shop or would we do so? There are a lot of ways you can grow. And so I kind of see Miguel Londrina as this umbrella, yeah. but I don't feel fixed to any one thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but yes, I I plan on doing this um my whole life and I think that I'm so fortunate to have kind of stepped away from um, wanting to be a CEO at a um, high end fashion company in New York. Um, this is just so much more meaningful to me because, you know, when you start something mm-hmm. from the ground up, it, it resonates so much more. Um, and Migo Londrina is a fashion company, but we have been able to sell a product in a really lovely, happy, friendly way and not get <laughs> caught up in uh, pre-fall, fall and kind of the wholesale um, seasonality.
0: Let me tell you, that's a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yes. No, and I know that's a lot of work and um, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, but I think I'm excited that we have our own little landscape that we've carved out mm-hmm. and can... Um, can grow it in our own way that makes sense, not only for us in Dallas, but also for selling a handmade product um, where things can be ready at different times of the year.
0: Um, So that to me flows very well into, because I love the idea of that umbrella concept. And you've set something up where you can have so many extensions and categories that Um, and, and the way that your brand is, it's that kind of sunny, wonderful, um, approach to, to life and art. So you're making an impact. You're doing something you love. How do you want to be remembered?
1: I want to be remembered most importantly as someone who is kind and respectful. Um, I think that's just, it seems so simple, but, um, just remembering to always be kind and always be respectful and um, I think those things are just uh, super important in everyday work. Um, And then from Amigo Andrina perspective, I really want to be remembered as somebody who appreciates and has a strong love for Mexican culture and is excited to share it with everybody.
0: Wonderful. Well, A wide ranging, awesome discussion um, <laughs> yes. and uh, love the the Dallas connection and really awesome to actually do this in, in person. First time I've gotten to do it and test out two microphones at once.
1: Thank you so much. It's been
0: awesome. Well, you're not done yet because the tough questions come next. Okay. Uh, so rapid fire, um, just the first thing that comes to mind, don't worry about kind of how you could interpret the question. And just have fun with it. Okay. So how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Eight. What would you use the gene editing technology CRISPR for? If you could edit your own genes to change anything, what would you edit?
1: Be able to sleep less.
0: I like it. I feel the same way. <laughs> um, what is your favorite fiction and nonfiction book?
1: Oh, uh, I feel like I read more nonfiction fiction. Uh, leaders eat last. Um, I'm gonna list two nonfiction's and just start.
0: Very good. Uh, daily music playlist theme. What do you what do you listen to every day?
1: Ranges uh, Latina and reggaeton music to get me going, and um, and then indie kind of music that I listened to when I was living in New York.
0: Excellent. Uh, what is your wake up drink of choice and your wine down drink of choice?
1: Black coffee in the morning. If I'm treating myself a cappuccino, um, and I love, love, love a glass of red wine.
0: Favorite, favorite varietal, favorite country?
1: Uh, Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley.
0: Excellent. Very specific. (laughs) I,
1: I, my dad, uh, and I used to always drink Pinot Noir together, so That's that's fine.
0: Um, what would your last meal be?
1: Um, rice and beans and pico de
0: gallo. Okay.
1: (laughs) It's what I grew up with. And I think it's just the most delicious thing ever.
0: Excellent. Uh, black beans or any specific beans? Brown beans, Mexican
1: rice, and pico de gallo is chopped tomato, onion, and uh, jalapeños and cilantro.
0: So Christina, what is your pet peeve?
1: My pet peeve is, I have to think about it for two seconds. Um, I think my, so my favorite thing, uh, is a dinner party okay, and just absolute, it's the best. Um, and I'm always sad and kind of peeved, um, (laughs) when somebody draws it to a close and wants to leave earlier. So pet peeve is, uh, somebody who wants to end a party early.
0: All right. So for Christina's friends listening to this, do not be the first person to leave. Do not, (laughs) you're in trouble. (laughs) You're going to be dragging on until the next day. Great. Um, do you have a favorite podcast?
1: How I built this. That's I'm good. obsessed with it.
0: Very good. Do you have a favorite episode on that?
1: Oh, uh, maybe the cliff bar was one of the ones I like.
0: Yeah. That was really good. Um, how much of your monthly spend on a monthly basis is Amazon?
1: Not that high. I bet it's, I don't know, 2%.
0: That's pretty good. Or, or,
1: or yeah, I I don't shop good. on Amazon that much. I, I go to stores.
0: We uh, we switched over to Amazon Fresh for groceries. With the little one, not going to the grocery store is a huge help. So mm-hmm. it's pretty high now.
1: I know I will be. It's definitely
0: trending. Trending. <laughs>
1: yes. <clears throat>
0: uh, what TV show could you watch over and over and over again?
1: What TV show? I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch more movies. Mm-hmm. Do you have
0: a movie you'd watch over and over again?
1: Um I loved Last of the Mohicans growing up. <laughs> Just so random, but yeah. um I could watch that again. I kind of grew up with brothers and guy friends, so you know, River Runs Through It, and Last of the Mohicans, Legends of the Fall, those were all kind of
0: Wow. It's so, so a power lineup. Power yeah. lineup. All right. Um favorite article of clothing?
1: Um well, jeans. Yeah. Because they go with Miguel Londrina. So I, I probably have 30 pairs of jeans.
0: Excellent. Do you have one of your own pieces that you love the most?
1: Um, I get too excited about what's new because we work on pieces for, we can work on a piece for a year and a half. Um, so right now I'm really excited about what's coming from Chiapas. Um, there's a really beautiful embroidery. So favorite right now is this beautiful embroidery from Aguacate Nangle large flowers, um, simple kind of regular embroidery and then what they call Rococo embroidery around it, which is the embroidery that lifts up and it's just so three-dimensional and gorgeous.
0: Wow. Um, So you mentioned your Tabata workouts. Do you love cardio or hate cardio?
1: I love cardio. Man,
0: it's a mixed bag so far. (laughs) Um, Would you rather fight off 100 duck-sized horses or one horse sized duck. They're coming for you. They're not just out and about. They're coming for you.
1: I think duck sized horses.
0: Yeah, you'd rather fight those off? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what is your, I, I think I know the answer here, but what's your favorite destination to travel to?
1: Mexico, of course. Okay.
0: So other than Mexico.
1: Okay. Um, I love hiking. Um, so I like, um, I went to Patagonia earlier this year and that was awesome and i just went to iceland and so trips like that where you're um you're pushing yourself mm-hmm. a little more um are great and there's you know too many places in our world that i want to go see
0: absolutely definitely agree with that and last but not least what is the best gift that you've ever received
1: I, this is gonna sound cheesy but pro- my education um so the gift that my, I was really, really fortunate to receive that from my parents, mm-hmm. so um, I can't wait to provide that to somebody else one day.
0: Wonderful answer. That's great. Well, Christina, this has been um, quite an interview. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Um, thanks for being our guinea pig on trying this in person. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online?
1: Yes. So migolondrina.com. Um, and also if you try golondrina.com, you'll get there or Google Mexican dress, Mm -hmm. um, and you'll find us. Um, and then our showroom is right next to Lovefield airport. Okay. Please come say hi.
0: And what if they want to reach out to you? Um, Instagram, Twitter.
1: We're on Instagram. We're not on Twitter. Um, Instagram DM is the best social way to do it.
0: And that's at migolondrina.
1: It is M I underscore golondrina.
0: Very good. Thank you so much, Christina. This was great. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and you can also go to founders15.com for show notes and other episodes. Thank you.